Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is that you inky savages are joining me for this week's episode of the Penboy Roy Pentertainment Podcast. We are at number 115. I love it. Thank you guys for joining me. And a big heartfelt thank you to everybody who has been clicking on my affiliate link to Gold Spot Pens. Every purchase that you make helps everything Pentertainment related. Now that I'm an LLC spending big bucks in fees for legal stuff and all kinds of stuff, doing a lot more giveaways now, a lot of the money is going to be used towards acquiring pens, reviewing pens, and giving them away. So, And they're tax write-offs too. So I'm new to this whole LLC thing. Apparently there's a lot of forms. There's lawyers that you have to pay thousands of dollars to, which I did. There's also codes or tax numbers that the government has to give you even though you're not going to use it or something weird in order to open up bank accounts. There's credit limits on bank accounts. There's all kinds of stuff that is new to me, but I feel like it's a great investment because I plan on pentertaining for as long as possible and never stopping for the foreseeable future. So thanks again for all your support. Again, Goldspot Pens affiliate link is in the description. So if you're going to buy from Goldspot, which you definitely should because they are sponsors of this podcast, please click on my affiliate link in the description of the show notes. And also, don't forget to use coupon code ROY at checkout for extra savings and discounts on select items on the Goldspot website. Now, I say select items. Most things are covered by the discount, but some brands... Some brands are very particular and very picky because they're just very particular and picky. They don't want extra discounts. I understand it is what it is, but throw it on there because you might get savings on inks or certain pen brands, most pen brands. So it's definitely worth a shot to save an extra 10%. Use coupon code ROY, but definitely use my affiliate link in the description below. And also, big thanks, shout out, and call out to my good friends over at Luxury Brands of America who are also sponsors of this podcast. They spend buku bucks on the Penboy Roy because they believe in the mission of the Pentertainment Podcast and all things Pentertainment. And this week I want to talk about one of my favorite brands, the Waldman brand. Now, a lot of people don't know about the Waldman brand because it's newer in the U.S. Luxury Brands of America just started distributing them. And the reason why they just started is because Waldman, even though it's really popular in the U.K., in Germany, it really hasn't made much noise in the U.S., but luxury brands being luxury brands and Bryce being Bryce, he saw the Waldman brand, looked at the pens and thought, wow, these things are awesome. We actually had an interview with Waldman, and that's what sparked this whole bromance between luxury brands of America and the Pen Pentertainment podcast. You should check that episode out. I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, one of my favorites is definitely the Waldman Tuscany. I, and I think a close second would definitely be the Tango. Or maybe the Tango is overtaken. I'm not sure. They're both fantastic. The Waldman Tuscany that I particularly love is the Waldman Tuscany fountain pen in Vela or the Coco. The Vela is nice because it has like diamond patterns and it's it's got matte diamonds in it and stuff like that. Or if you're not into that and you like lines better, I also like the Coco version because that one just has striations. That one's also a little bit cheaper. That one you can get also at Goldspot Pens. Don't forget to use coupon code ROY. Don't forget to use the affiliate link. And I think considering the amount of sterling silver that's in the pen and what you're paying, I think it's a real slamming deal. 
So the one that I have in my possession and particularly love is the Waldman Tuscany fountain pen in chocolate with rose gold. It is absolutely gorgeous. And I think that you guys definitely need to check that out. And again, thanks to my sponsors, goldspot.com and Luxury Brands of America. Now, before we get started with this week's episode of the podcast, I just want to give you guys a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not scripted and therefore will contain potty mouth words, both from Tom and I, mostly from me. So be forewarned, you have been warned. Now, on to the podcast. The Pet Boy Roy Entertainment Podcast. Stage 7. And so I just finished a whole container of blueberries. I have been really into blueberries these days. They're, they're delicious. But so my friend, J-Man, who has spoken to me before about like J-Man. health stuff. Yeah, J-Man's spoken to me about stuff. And he's like, so for anybody who's tuning in, and maybe this is the first episode. So J-Man is a good friend of mine who survived cancer. He was battling it for the last seven months, survived it. And... He was talking to me about health and all that stuff. He doesn't agree with me when it comes to the keto diet. And he has his own method of staying healthy and eating clean and stuff like that. And I'm totally not even going to argue with him about it because whatever he did certainly worked because he survived cancer. And just to reiterate, my good friends over at Esterbrook, when I told them about this, they were inspired and they sent him over a gift package. How cool is that, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, J-Man was telling me, whenever you buy berries in particular, anything that doesn't have like a thick skin, for example, like an orange or a banana, if you're going to eat fruits like apples or berries, especially berries because like strawberries and stuff like that, they're so thin skin, the pesticides in it has something in it called bromide or something like that, and it's very bad for you, extremely cancer-causing, right? Ooh. So I, I didn't look into it. I'm just going to take his word for it because, okay. you know, the dude did have cancer. And if he's telling me that bromide causes cancer and to get organic berries only and spend a few bucks, I'm just going to do it. So mm-hmm. I ate a whole bunch of organic berries. I don't see the difference in flavor. Okay. Some people say they taste better. Right. But I did do something that I'm not sure is good, and anybody listening can actually write into me at pentertainmentpodcast at gmail.com. I figured since they're organic, I don't need to wash them. So I just popped them open and I started downing the entire container. And then afterwards, I'm like, well, what if they spray it with organic poop? Did I just ingest a whole bunch of poop? You know what I mean? Like, for example, I see the fish tank behind me. Right. So what I do is I take the dirty fish water. And I water my plant. It's a it's a baby rubber plant that's on my desk with the dirty fish water. Okay. Right? So I'm thinking maybe they do the same thing to, like, the berries. They spray the berries with, like, poop to make it grow. Poop water. Poop water to make it grow organically yeah. and stuff. All right, here comes the daily. There we go. Snap. My Canada dry. Snap it to a seltzer. <laughs> Snip it to a slip. I can't do it now. When are we getting, when are we getting Canada dry as a sponsor for the podcast? Uh, probably never. This seltzer break is brought to you by Canada Dry. Yeah. Yeah, probably <laughs> probably sometime in the next never when it comes to that one. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you haven't found the perfect brand yet, so reach out, folks. I'd love to get the perfect brand of seltzer. I will even drink that seltzer. Yeah. So, I know Roy's not much into the, the alcoholic seltzers, but... I fancy myself a connoisseur along with my wife. It's kind of like a tradition on, particularly on Sunday dinners, is that 
we would have uh, the alcoholic seltzers, the ones that are, you know, have the malt liquor in them or whatever, um, that uh, will try out a new, because there's so many different varieties now. There's like, there's variety packs from like Bud and like this, like there's a whole bunch of different types, Truly, White Claw, whatever. So we do, we do our thing. We buy like a variety pack and we try out all the flavors and then we give each other feedback on which flavors we enjoyed the most. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's a family activity. You know, it it just makes the the evening go by very nicely. Yeah. But like, but like, I know your your seltzer. And so I'm saying, like, I don't mind seltzers. I like different flavor seltzers. They're fun. You know, they're they're very like low calorie in terms of like comparing them to your your other soft drinks that are out there. So. Mm-hmm. And your ter- in your in your case, zero calorie, right? Zero yeah. calorie for the seltzers. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So. I want to say thank you to everybody who listened to episode number 113, approximately two episodes I don't ago. even remember which one that was. What that, is that one? That one was before the one with Joshua Lax, and it was about my difficulty studying and coping with ADHD now that I got to study stuff, right? Uh, because we got some pretty nice emails slash snail mail e- emailed right i love i love it when people so our friend skater Cruz, she did the same thing that our buddy did the week before that where he wrote out who was it that did that was it i think it was philip franco right philip um yes yeah yes. so he wrote stuff out so so skater also did the same thing and she wrote out a whole page of notes based on the episode and not only did she write out the whole page of notes, she used different pens, different nib sizes, and different inks. This is so fucking awesome. With different styles of handwriting, too. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of personal stuff she puts in here, so I'm not particularly sure if I'm supposed to read this or I'm allowed, but I just want to recognize that we received it, and it is much appreciated, much loved. Did she actually put down what paper this is, like what notebook this is? Because it's a notebook that has, like, a, a number and dateline up in the top right. I don't think she put down the yeah the paper. I, no, I don't see that. I see, like, yeah, I see, like, the pen, the ink, the, the name of the nib. But, like, I don't see any mention about what type of paper that is. Yeah. I mean, I'm just curious. So you know, I don't recognize it either. Yeah. I don't recognize what it is. I mean, but it you know how I know it's a legit paper? Because mm-hmm. the binding is spiral, but it's not like a single single spiral that just twists all the way down. It's like it's the a double. It's a double like wire wire for each section, and the hole is square, so that's legit. Mm. Shitty paper doesn't come like that. I just love at at certain points she writes magma, 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 <laughs> <laughs> magma. Anyway, I want to go on to Ryan. Ryan has sent us an email. Question for the show, and then he writes, fluting. Hey, PBR and Tom, I just finished episode number 113, and I have a question that's not related to pens. <gasps> and I know that isn't an issue for the Pendertainment podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's welcomed. <laughs> he, he's got us there. My daughter, Zoe, Zoe, is a freshman in high school and is in the band. She plays the flute, and the band teacher told her that she needs to improve her accents and tone. Any advice to a young fellow flautist or flutist? Your fan from episode number one. Thank you, Ryan. I really that I appreciate that. Note: I have been warned mm-hmm. 113 times that the language can be crude, but she is in high school and hears worse things in the hall. So, so if you read this and give a half-assed answer, I will share it with her, 
and I will buy her a PBR t-shirt and I will get myself a second one too. Awesome. All right. So, I mean, that's not why I'm going to read it. I'm going to read this out. I'm reading this because not to sell a shirt. That is totally the reason why. (laughs) No, because, you know, it's a question about fluting and flute playing. Yes. I'm a flute player. Who is the best person to ask about fluting? (laughs) Well... I, if you who's are. the best person in the fountain pen industry who has his own channel and podcast to ask about fluting? Yes, me. But I'm yes. sure there are professional flautists out there who use fountain pens who could, who are like way better than me. Yes, for sure. But I'm a decent flute player. I have a degree in performance. That's how I actually met my violinist wife. Being, you know, that's how. How did I become a professional martial artist from that? Well, because it made more money than being a professional flutist, and. I honestly think I had a talent for martial arts more so than fluting, but I was mm-hmm. highly educated in the flute. So I will answer this question, okay? So mm-hmm. she's a freshman in high school, so I'm assuming she's starting, and she's starting on those rental flutes that has, that has like, gum as pads. I'm just kidding. So flutes are very <laughs> – the, the flutes with the keys and all that stuff, they're a lot of moving parts, very complicated – so she needs to improve her accents and tone. What I would always suggest when it comes to playing the flute to improve accent and tone is first, breathing is absolutely super crazy important. Controlling your breath. So a lot of people, when they're born, a lot of people, as a matter of fact, dogs, cats, and animals, they breathe naturally. And I always consider breathing naturally different from breathing normally. So the way we breathe as adults, we breathe normally. Take a look at my body, all right, since you're looking at me. I'll take a deep breath in and then take a deep breath out. And nothing happens with my chest and my shoulders, right? Okay. Because what I'm doing is I'm breathing. And as I'm breathing in, my stomach comes out like a beer belly. And that's my diaphragm bringing oxygen into my lungs. Mm-hmm. And those muscles are far more controllable and stronger. Then if I use my chest and shoulders, if I breathe in and I bring my chest and shoulders up, I have all this chest and shoulder bearing weight on my lungs. It's not as controlled, right? Okay. So the natural way to breathe is the same way a baby breathes or the same way a dog and cat breathes, and that's with the diaphragm, the lower abdomen. So when you breathe in, instead of your shoulders moving up and your chest expanding out, your stomach should be the only thing coming out. And then when you breathe out, your stomach should deflate. That's the natural Mm -hmm. way of breathing. But the normal way people breathe happens because as we grow older and we start talking, screaming, running, doing all kinds of things, we develop the bad habit of breathing using our upper body and shoulders instead of our abdomen. Now, what happens when you do that is, like I said, you don't have as much breath control. And when you don't have that much breath control, you have more of a difficult time focusing how much air and being consistent with the air that you're using when you're playing the flute. So you play the flute, you blow into the head joint, which has an an aperture aperture hole. Now, it's kind of like a soda bottle. When you blow at a certain angle, the angle causes the entire vessel to vibrate. And that's what Mm -hmm. causes the flute to make sound. Now, with the flute, it's so particular and it's so fine of a aperture hole that you have to hit it at just the perfect angle. And you have to use a focused stream of air. Mm -hmm. And in order to focus that air, you have to develop muscles in your lips called the embouchure. And in order to develop the embouchure, you have to practice. 
But first and foremost, you need to sit up straight, okay? Shoulders back and relaxed, and you need to practice breathing first. Breathe in through your diaphragm, lower st stomach, and then as you breathe out, you deflate that stomach, right? You wanna be in control. And the way you would practice that for her, for Zoe, is you would sit there, you would take a, take a slow, deep breath in with your mouth only, because that's how you play the flute, and then you go as far as you can, extending your stomach, not letting your shoulders and chest move. And then you slowly exhale the same way. Now, mm -hmm. this is a meditative way of breathing, as a matter of fact. And as a matter of fact, people, I mean, people out there and friends of our podcast who reached out to us and explained to me at some point that you guys deal with anxiety or PTSD and stuff like this. I mean, I don't have anxiety myself, but I can imagine that this kind of breathing would be beneficial for anybody that has anxiety because oxygen supplies the body, the brain, and all that kind of stuff, right? So I think that this is a good exercise to do not just as a flutist or someone who plays the flute, but also for people who just needs to figure out how to relax, how to control their breathing because breathing has a huge effect on your emotional and mental state and anxiety mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Now, like I said, I've only ever suffered from ADHD. I never actually had like anxiety and stuff like that or anything that some of these friends of ours that are writing to us explain like in terms of PTSD and stuff like that. But I do know that sometimes when I'm having difficulty focusing or if I get anxious, like I'm getting like a little hyper and stuff, I will sit down right. and I'll just take a deep, long breath in, expanding my diaphragm, shoulders back, making sure my chest and shoulders are relaxed, even though it doesn't look that way because I'm so jacked. I'm just kidding. And then <laughs> breathe out nice and slow in a controlled manner. And if you do that for like a minute, you'd be surprised at how much that relaxes you and gets you focused and centered. Mm -hmm. until you start picking up the material that I'm reading to study and then it's so fucking boring, it'll just put you to sleep or make you want to rub your eyes with 5,000 grit sandpaper. <laughs> so anyway, yes, so you need to, so Zoe needs to work on breathing technique. That's the most important thing. It's the flute is a wind instrument and there's nothing more important than that to start. Secondly, then she needs to work on focusing the air controlling her embouchure, finding the right sweet spot of the angle when she's blowing. And then also make sure another big thing I always find with these rental instruments that kids have in high school, what really sucks about them is this. They're shitty instruments. So when I played the flute, the key, the weight of my finger pushing the key down should be enough to seal the, the key and the key, tone hole. But a lot of these crappy instruments, they're not taken care of. So that pad that's inside, over time, it gets compressed, it gets warped, but it doesn't get so, it doesn't do so evenly. It doesn't, it doesn't fully cover the hole anymore. Right. So in order to make the sound pop or to make the, the note pop, they have to squeeze really hard to seal that key and the tone hole. And it's terrible. Mm -hmm. I, I do recommend you invest in buying her a beginner flute with your own money and fuck these stupid rentals. They are shit. You know what I mean? And a lot of times they're not taken care of. 
you rent, they're rented by the school, they return them. When they receive the returns, they just look at it to make sure that it doesn't have gum in it. And even if it does have gum, they just check to see if it's still good or if it still tastes good. It's just garbage, you know what I mean? <laughs> you want to actually buy your own flute. There's a lot of resources, Ryan, if you have any questions, I can definitely direct you in the right direction. There's boutique sellers and stuff. There, There's different brands, like for example, Yamaha is not the only one out there. There are different, many different brands that are way better that might cost the same, if not even less. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, if you have any questions about that, you can reach out to me anytime. I'm definitely, I'm definitely available to answer those questions. I love the flute. I love flute music. As a matter of fact, while I'm studying, I'm listening to albums of Jean-Pierre Rompal. He is my favorite flute player in the history of flute players. Followed. I think he had a name drop in one of the previous episodes. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. I think I think somebody did a meme about it. But um, I had to have one question though. If let's say the purchasing of the flute was kind of like out of the question, is there a way that let's say they they could take the flute to somebody to like let's say get those pads taken care of or like or like remedied in some way so that the the tone could be improved or that the holes could be covered better so that's a lot of work believe it or not adjusting the keys the pads that are inside the keys of a flute mm -hmm. is lots of work you know what i mean okay. and so it's kind of like adjusting like a whole bunch of nibs on pens it's far more complex because okay the nib is just one object so in order to adjust the pad you have to disassemble the keys from all the rods you have to make sure that all the springs are dis disassembled correctly assembling oh the, yeah you're talking you're talking hundreds of different small parts right okay and then on top of that we're talking hundreds the a frac hundreds of a fraction width of a hair that could be causing the difference between the tone making sound and not the flute making sound and not making sound so like if a if a key comes down and one segment let's say it's a clock right 12 o'clock the 12 mm -hmm. o'clock to one o'clock segment of that round pad has one one hundredth of a hair not sealing air is escaping there and the note won't pop you know what i mean mm. so this kind gotcha. of work is very very extensive takes hours and hours of very close work and then after they replace all the pads and fit the shims in the pads and seal it they have to clamp all the keys down for about 24 hours to 36 hours so that the keys can the pads can settle and then they got to mm. test it again and then if after testing it again there's another seal they got to fill that that there's another rather leak in the pad they have to seal that and then they got to do it again right so it takes a lot of time yes you could take this rental instrument and you can go to a flute repair shop and have it taken care of but you'll pay close to 200 what it would cost to get another like i wouldn't flute. i wouldn't say what it would cost i would say maybe 60 to 80 percent of what it would cost and then it's, right. and then you're returning it so yeah, you're still having to return right it so why that. would you, i thought i thought well what i was thinking was I, I was thinking was like if there was like a simple quick fix where it was like oh all you had to do is just replace the like the pads and you could do that yourself if you order you know, replacement pads on Amazon or something like that. No, it's not a f simple fix. You can order okay. replacement pads from, from like different flute supply companies, but you'll have absolutely no clue what to do with it. And then you could start trying yeah. and it'll be an absolute disaster. I mean, these guys, 
these train they when they fix flutes, these guys train on fix, fixing flutes like the artisans who do Urushi lacquer train in Urushi and Makie and stuff. And the like Makie, yeah. yeah. Like these guys literally sit there with the with those glasses that like are like my friend JJ Lax uses, the dip grinder glasses, things like that. They look the like yeah, yeah, they look like Doc Brown sitting there with the magnifying lenses fixing flutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's not something that they can fix yourself. Not like, oh, I'll just buy micro mesh and tune this nib myself. No, it's yeah. not like that. Or like, or like, oh, I can't fill my pen because the converter's like got a crack in it. You just buy a different converter. It's not that simple of a fix. No, absolutely not. And no. it's like as okay. much. I have a handmade 14 karat gold Hanes flute. And this flute, and as long as I've had this flute and as much as I love this flute and know about flute music and the instrument, I wouldn't dare, I wouldn't dare try to even come close to fixing it myself. Not even a little yeah. bit. The number of tools required, the number of like, there's like this rod that's a light that they put through the instrument and then when they close all the keys, they can see the leak, right? That's one way of seeing okay. it. Then they have these little feelers that they put in. It's, it's just so complex, but... Going back to Ryan's email, it has everything to do with breathing. Controlling breath control is so important. Learning how to breathe using your diaphragm instead of your upper body. I don't know if they're covering that in school. They may not because a lot of times they just don't have time because that is something that you have to learn over a long period of time. It's not something you can start practicing now and you'll figure out in a week. Sometimes it takes months to reprogram your brain on how to breathe properly. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a lot of great advice, I think, because it I think it also helps in general, like you were saying, for people with uh, anxiety and things just to be able to be mindful about keeping your breath and returning to your breath, as they say, in meditation. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't know much about meditation and stuff like that. And like I said, I, you know, I I suffer from ADHD. It doesn't affect me most of the time because most of the time I don't need to study. Right. Most of mm-hmm. my adult life was always like physical activity. And I think it was a lot to do with the fact that I did have ADHD and I wasn't able to do stuff that required a lot of academics. So that's why I was into martial arts and all that stuff. But when it does come to trying to like, oh, I need to relax and stuff like that, or I'm trying to focus, breathing does have such a substantial impact on it and breathing properly. Right. Breathing Mm -hmm. naturally versus breathing normally. The way we breathe normally may not be natural. It could be wrong. And so what we want to do is try to get back to breathing naturally the way we do when we're babies. Like if you have a baby, lay the baby on his back. Watch when he's sleeping. Watch that little cute Mm -hmm. sucker. His stomach's going to come up and down, up and down. At no point will you see his chest moving up and down. It's just his tummy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. And then. You know, what I mean is what you want to do is the same thing. Put your two fingers on that baby's belly as he's breathing in and out and watch your fingers go up and down. Then take those two fingers, same two fingers, put it on your stomach, and I want you to breathe the same way and see if your fingers react the same way. Is it going up and down the same way? You know what I'm saying? So that's just breathing techniques. If you want more information on breathing techniques, everybody, I suggest you Google something called Alexander Technique. Right, Alexander technique was developed by a guy whose name was, take a guess. Uh, Bert. Yes, no. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> developed by a guy named Alexander who was a public speaker. And what he found was while he was publicly speaking, he got nervous and he just locked up. He froze. He couldn't move. He mm. just, 
he was a disaster, right? And he's up there shitting himself trying to figure out what the fuck. So he developed this method of breathing and centering yourself so that way you can be up in front of people or in settings where you're nervous or you're under pressure. You breathe and then you can dial in, center yourself, and then perform under pressure. So that's called Alexander Technique. A lot of musicians who are in wind instruments use it. A lot of singers and a lot of public speakers, believe it or not. So yeah, everybody mm -hmm. out there, check it out. Alexander Technique. Bre breathing techniques. It's good for you. Breathing is good for you. Uh, That's what I heard. Are there any other good techniques do you have to recommend for people who struggle with, let's say, public speaking? So that's another one. A lot of times when people get up, and the reason why people are nervous with public speaking is because of the pressure and just all the fear of judgment and stuff like that, right? So mm -hmm. everybody has that fear. It's just a matter of how your body physically reacts to that fear. So some people, when they have that fear, their body physically responds by getting tense and tight, right? Right. So there's there's nothing I can say to a, help somebody with how they feel when it comes to, like, you feel what you feel. I can't tell you not to feel, like, I punch you in the eye, don't feel that. No, you're going to feel it. But it's how you <laughs> cope with it, right? So the mm -hmm. best way to cope with fear is controlling how you breathe, right? So. Right. You know, being in the martial arts, a lot of times that instinct you have, the fight, flight, or freeze moment hits you all the time. But being a martial artist, you're always like going with the fight. And sometimes you feel that flight. And sometimes you feel that freeze. And when you do feel it, you have to not do those things. You don't have a choice because you're going to get punched in the fucking face, right? All right. So what you do is... You got you to gotta kind of really focus on your breathing. And this is another thing. Again, breathing is so important. You got to slow things down in your head. You have to really breathe. Let the oxygen into your body and unlock, unlock all that muscle and tension that's coming because of the fear and stuff like that. Right? right? And it's like the truth is it's like there are a lot of times I experience fear. But people think, oh, you're not afraid of anything. That's not true. I'm afraid of bugs i'm afraid of grizzly bears i'm afraid of water i'm afraid of everything that everybody else is afraid of i'm so totally afraid of those things right but mm -hmm. in the instant that i feel the fear i feel like i'm totally in control of how i breathe so i don't experience the freeze or flight that a lot of people do you know what i mean yeah. so people think oh you just you're just a man you don't you're not afraid of anything that's not true it's the acceptance of the fear and then the understanding that the fear exists and coping with it that I've done for so many years that makes me appear as though I'm not afraid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh shit moments happen, but I don't lock up. I don't freeze. I kind of just, the moment it happens, I'm going. But the moment before I respond, in my head, there is a prolonged suspended period of time where I'm saying to myself, slow down, breathe, react, don't mm -hmm. freeze go. You know what I mean? And that all comes yeah. from understanding how to breathe. And that all comes yeah. from, for me, playing the flute. So anybody who thinks playing the flute is for wimps, one, fuck you. Two, <laughs> that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> well, they say, I, I don't know who the quote was from, but I know that it's been said that fear 
or that courage is not the absence of being afraid. It's what you do is, is, is doing is like, is like the actions you take even while being afraid, like acting in spite of it, you know, because we all have that fear, the fear, the fear hits us. I mean, if we all had, if you're all walking around with no fear, you know, you'd, you'd be, you know, you're, you're that animal instinct of needing that fear. It's like, you're going to end up like, you know, walking into a situation where you'll get yourself killed. Like you need to have that fear to like understand when something can genuinely threaten you. So like, so like, it's still a useful feeling to have. It's just that you need to understand, you know, you need to understand when it's actually useful. And then when do you need to like, you know, do like you said, set up that flight or flight thing. It's like, I'm going to just fight through this and then just return back to the present moment. That's a very good, I, I don't know what, what saying you're talking about. I don't think you pulled it off right. If there is a saying, but I'm gonna look it up. I do think that for there to be courage, there absolutely needs to be fear without fear. There is no courage in my personal opinion. And I don't oh. think, go ahead. FD, FDR, uh, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Hmm. I think I saw that on a fortune cookie one time. They stole it from, <laughs> they stole it from FDR. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. So anyway, yeah, I think this what you said just reminded me of this video I saw, it broke my heart. It was a video of like a sheep and the sheep had never experienced a predator because the sheep was raised in like on a farm, never experienced anything. And then the sheep mm-hmm. got loose and somebody was videotaping the sheep just headbutting a tiger. And the, and the tiger just murked the sheep, right? The sheep had absolutely no fear of the tiger. Why should he? He never experienced a predator. So he didn't know any better. So I think you're right. Without fear, there will never be courage. And without fear, there's, you know, there's nothing. People will just end up, if you're not afraid of walking into the highway, you'll get hit by cars, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. And also... I think without fear, there will never be this thing where people just try a little harder. You know what I mean? So I always find when it came to performing in martial arts, that fear is what makes you go just a little bit further than you were able to. Mm -hmm. If you weren't afraid, you'd never push yourself further than what you think your actual boundaries are. You know? I think that I think you're referring to Dark Knight Rises when Christian Bale was stuck in the pit and he had to make that jump at the very end. Most of the lessons oh. in life that I've learned come from that movie. So, yes. And and like and like he had to learn that it it was because he he had no fear of dying. You know, he had no fear of it, so he wasn't he kept failing, but it's just when he had the fear of dying and then letting down the people of Gotham City, then he was able to make that jump. There were so many things wrong with that movie. For everybody who watched that movie, I'm sure you'll agree with me. First of all, he climbed up to the ledge. There is enough room on that ledge to give yourself three or four steps of like a running head start. And not just do like a standing jump. Why would you just stand and jump? You have like four feet behind you. Just, you know, jog two steps and then jump. Anybody could reach that, (laughs) right? I mean, I'm just saying... So many things wrong with that. And then what if that guy is like, yeah, you got to just do it without the rope and don't be, and then you have to have fear. I'd tell that guy, motherfucker, I'm afraid to do it with the rope, right? 
<laughs> like with the rope is pretty fucking scary because did you see what happens when he drops the 90 feet the rope stops mm-hmm. him from hitting the ground but he might as well and just basically hit the ground. like yeah yeah because it because it almost I almost acted like uh he was getting hanged would be the proper term right it's saying hanged like because yeah cause like when cause you talk like about it was just yanking him yeah when you talk about mm-hmm. people you're not supposed to say hung you're supposed to say hanged I heard, I remember yes. that from college. I don't know why it doesn't make a difference to the dead person who was hanged. I don't think they give a shit how you say it, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's like a guy's about to be be hanged on a you know during an execution way back when when it's they like, to, who cares, right? man? Like, don't worry, we're not going to refer to you as being hung. We're going to refer to you as being hanged. So you'll be all right. No, man, that's my neck. You know, all I did was steal a loaf of bread from like what 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 time period? The medieval period, right? There goes uh, my I would probably say even up until, you know, you have up until like the 1800s, I would probably say. Oh, yeah, that's true. The Clint Eastwood Before movie yet. times. Mm. Yeah. So, but speaking of Batman, did you see the new Batman movie, The Batman with, what's his name? No, with Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I have, I have not, not seen, seen it. Everybody is saying it's so good. Not only that, did you see the new Bat, The Batman pen by Monte Grappa? I had seen that, yeah. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, 32 minutes into the podcast, first mention of pens. Hey, pen. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at the Batman, Montegrappa, M-O-N-T-E-G-R-A-P-A. That was a brilliant segue, by the by the way, it only, by me. It only I'm, took, it only I'm took taking credit hour. for that. All right. It only took I'm ta- a half I'm hour. I'm taking credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> you go right ahead. So they came out with this new pen. Montegrappa came out with this new The Batman pen. This thing looks really fucking cool. Right? Well, Montegrappa is not uh, foreign to the idea of making a Batman pen. There has been a Batman pen previously that was introduced. But this one specifically is tailored for the new Batman movie. Right. So wait a minute. They came out with a DC series of fountain pens. I don't know if you remember. There was the villains, right? But then they actually had they actually had one that was a Batman. Yeah, it was the no, it was a Batman pen that was part they also had Superman, they had Wonder Woman, they had the Joker, they had the Riddler, right? Is this the one that you're talking about? They had a No, well there's also there's that, but there was also one that was specifically a Batman pen. Like 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 exactly like how this would be, not in the same style. But like in the same concept where it was like just a Batman pen. Oh, okay. I mean, I I didn't know that. I don't remember that. I'm trying to see if I could find it for you, so I could. Uh, I'm looking at Farnays. It, it yeah. almost it almost looks. It doesn't look like. Did it. you just say Farnays? <laughs> yeah. What is it? Farnays. Oh no, I say, I say Farnese. Oh, okay. Am I like, saying you're it like Farnays? You know me, dude. <laughs> I, I pronounce everything wrong because I'm a fucking moron. But so going back to the Batman fountain pen made by Montegrappa. It is titanium. It's a limited edition. It looks like a fucking savage. Like, it is awesome looking. But it is $5,000. It kind of has like a scaly armor sort of look about it. High-tech looking. It's definitely And then I think the best part about it is the nib having the silhouette of the Batman cowl. Yeah, that is so cool. I mean, everything about this pen is so friggin' cool. But... Mm-hmm. The price is not cool. Oh my god, $5,000. Yeah. 
Holy bejesus. So I'm going to read the additional information that I'm here on this website. I'm on Iguana Cell. On March, mm-hmm. on 4 March 2022, Warner Brothers Pictures released the new film in the DC comic saga, The Batman. This version of Batman is dark, gritty, and raw with a plot that focuses on the early crime-fighting career of young Bruce Wayne. Montegrappa couldn't pass up the opportunity to join this great event and presents The Batman Limited Edition. In keeping with the spirit of the film, the design features extreme tactical styling with engineering materials and finishes to match. The body of the pieces are made from 5-axis CNC milled grade 2 titanium, adorned in polished brass with black ruthium and stainless steel. The brass components are manufactured by machine turning and wax casting. The latter technique is used for the intricate cap appendages and the Batman emblem on the body. This logo is also laser engraved on the cap. The spring-loaded clip is inspired by the superhero's signature pistol, and five grappling hooks are mounted on the back of the cap, limited <laughs> to 330 pieces. Wow. I mean, wow. What I, I, I love the way it looks, and I think it's really fucking cool, but never in my life will I ever suggest to somebody... On my channel or on this podcast, yeah, you should definitely buy a $5,000 fountain pen. Dang. You know what I mean? This thing looks like looks like it could probably, you know, like be able to at least escape a situation by using it to either disable somebody or, or to like, or to like, you know, do one of those things where he shoots the grappling hook and then like can just like zip line out of a situation. Yeah. I mean... It definitely looks like something. It's it's cool. It definitely is cool looking. It definitely looks like something Batman would carry around. But holy shit, five thousand dollars. So like on Iguana Cell, and they are a Montegrappa authorized dealer. I think they're in Spain, the Madrid, Spain. Yeah, I think so. And actually, I looked it up. I looked up the image uh, search. So if you do search for Montegrappa Batman pen. Uh, iguanas like if you look look at the images you'll find the earlier batman pen that i'm referring to which is kind of like a cigar type shape that has a bunch of what looks like bats or laser engraved or like they're kind of like matin yeah finished yeah like versions of it so you could you'll find that version which i don't think that it's available anymore anywhere no because i'm even looking at montegrappa uk or pianchi um that used to come with like there was a set that had the watch and then cufflinks in it too Mm -hmm. this is back when montegrappa did a lot of that kind of stuff where they would do like the the whole lifestyle you know accoutrement that goes along with the pen as well so they uh Accoutrement. Accoutrement. So like, so, and then I also see too, is that there was, um, there was the image of the, uh, uh, like that DC heroes and villains edition was just like a very plain looking pen, but then it had the clip was cast with the superhero on it. So that would yes. have Batman on it, Yes. but that's not the one I was referring to. The one I was referring to was the one that was the, has a, has the lasered bats on the, on the barrel. Yeah, no, I um, see that one. That's pretty cool too. I missed out on that one. What's going on with? I think that was about like a. I think that was like about a grand or so. Yeah, no, it was a couple of thousand. I'm looking at prices. They were expensive. Like, and then didn't Karen Dash also make Batman's Batman and Superman character stuff? And they were also like two thousand dollars. Yes, yes, they did do an edition of I think the various that was pretty expensive. Uh, Yeah, uh, they did some. 
pretty high price ones. And then they also had a line of Justice League Karandash Infinite ballpoint pens. Right. That was just like plastic pens with the, you know, it's just the color scheme of the superhero. And then like the superhero, I think, was on the clip or something like that. It's just it was very it was like screen printed. It was very, you know, inexpensive. But it was like a little cheap thrill for somebody who was looking for something that had their favorite DC hero on it. Yeah, you know what'd be nice. You know what'd be really fucking nice if they made a Batman pen that didn't cost thousands of dollars for those of us who like Batman but don't want to spend thousands of dollars on a pen just because it has Batman on it. I mean, come on. Right. Seriously. But anyway, well, check this out. Did I ever show you this watch that I have? I think I yeah pictures of it. This yeah, is, I remember that one. This is yeah. made by a brand called Undone. Now, listen, this is no IWC. This is no freaking like high-end watch, but they make some pretty fucking cool watches out there, and they're reasonably priced for what they are. You know what I mean? Like, you can get some... Mm-hmm. They're actually releasing a Batman watch, too, and stuff like that. So some of them are automatic, and they're hundreds of dollars. None of them are thousands of dollars, and I think it's really cool. Like, the automatic Batman limited edition one is, like, 600 This Batman watch that I have is battery-operated, and it's made of titanium, and it was, like, 300 and change and stuff like that. It's my everyday watch. I like it. It's got Batman on it. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks businessy, right? If you don't – upon first glance, glance, if you don't see that it has Batman on it. Well, I mean, see, the thing, the Batman emblem is so iconic – especially since when it's done with the yellow and black contrast, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to miss that. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it looks cool. And on the back, for some reason, they decided to make this a skeleton back. So the back is a crystal that you can see the internal mechanisms. And then, oh, cool. Yeah, it has the 80th anniversary. And it has the Batman anniversary stamp on it. But it's a battery operated. So why do I need to see the mechanism behind it? <laughs> yeah. No, of... that's that's a see but that like you're saying that's a thrill to have that is reasonably attainable for somebody who spends a, a you know for for people who let's say who buy watches on occasion or buy pens on occasion that it's somewhat accessible. Yeah. Uh, you know, a $5,000 fountain pen, you know, s- still for some they'd be like, "Okay, yeah, sure, I'll get but that's not the majority of, of pen users, for sure. Like, no, the, like, of course not. I would say if this was more in the, you know, especially with a gold nib and less a piston fill system, if this is more in like the five six hundred range, then I would probably be like, oh, this is a this is going to be like an instant sellout. Like people are going to go crazy for this. But at five grand, it's that's going to be a tall order. Mm. Uh, and you know, I agree. Five grand is too much. But can I? I would like to read Stan's email. If that's all right. Stan the man. Stan the man. Stanley Manley. Hi, I enjoy the podcasts. I just wish you talked more about good ballpoint pen. I enjoy pilot fiction <laughs> erasable pens, especially with new Navy refill incredible pens and Fisher Broad Black Refill Super. But now on mm-hmm. to your ADHD question. Seriously. Hold on. Let me just read this first because I don't want to. You think I can read that? He's talking about himself. Well, it's just as long as we don't mention a last name. Yeah, okay. I think we'll be okay. So Stan says, seriously, I'm 77, and when I was at Boston University, I guess, for my BS and MS back in the mid-60s, no one heard of ADHD. What I discovered before being treated in 1990, I found a couple of caffeine pills really helped me focus and study. Two 200-milligram tablets, like two cups of coffee, really helped me focus, study, and get Dean's List with a 3.8 average. In high school, I was just average. But remember, ADHD is also a gift since we see things and details that others don't. Hope that's helpful. 
It is helpful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So that's cool. And to address the first part of it, um, the pilot friction, I've used the pilot frictions before. Uh, They're, they're, plentifully available at the gold spot office so it was uh, actually did even a video on that with the rocket book uh notebook the one that you could cook in the microwave and erase it mm. completely um they are pretty cool uh pens especially for like erasable type of pens that you know it's, it's an option other than pencils for something that you could write in a color like there's a lot of different pilot friction colors there's even multi-pens that have pilot friction refills in them, and then you could erase them as you need. So, and then you could erase them using the the microwave if you use the rocket book. Yeah, so, this doesn't sound cool. like this doesn't sound like a fire hazard. Throw a notebook into the microwave anyway. But, well, it has to be that particular notebook because if it's just a regular paper notebook, then yeah, you're going to have a fire hazard. But the the rocket book wave, like you would say, the waves of a microwave. It's it's meant to be put in the microwave as long as you follow the instructions the way that Rocketbook suggests. I don't know. I so. just I just feel like I don't I wouldn't buy that for me particular in particular because two things. One, I'm gonna maybe accidentally throw the wrong notebook in the microwave because that's me and I'm mm-hmm. I'll fuck up that way. And two, like your micro after like the fiftieth time microwaving it, let's say you just like lay the notebook on your lap. Is it gonna fucking chemically neuter you somehow? Right, you're gonna somehow <laughs> wind up with fried balls, and you can't have kids now, right? You know, we were talking about we were talking about the the cancer causing, you know, what uh, the pesticides and things like that earlier. Bromide, and and you know, I'm thinking to myself too, is like in our in our parents' generation and their generation before, everybody was smoking like chimneys. And like in like every place is like smoke was just like bowling alley bars, every like airports, people like blue haze of smoke everywhere. Yeah. And and, you know, we've we've come a ways in, you know, knowing that like, okay, well, cigarettes cause cancer like the, you know, the tobacco in there. Like there's a lot of cancer causing agents in cigarettes, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm wondering you know, what is it going to be for our generation where they figured something out? Like I'm thinking it's gotta be the cell phones, like people carrying cell phones around with them. You know, I'm thinking that like, you know, in like 20, 30 years after cell phones have become pretty like common for everybody to be taking around with them that like all of a sudden, wherever it was that you were keeping your cell phone, it's like starts growing these crazy you know, tumors and stuff like that. I hate to be dark, but I'm just like, I'm just like, what is it that our generation is going to come against that will be like, Oh, that wasn't a good idea. Right. That caused a lot of big issues that we didn't see, you know? Right. I mean, I don't know. They got, everybody keeps it in their pocket and stuff. It's right next to your genitals all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like, it's relatively new enough that, you know, really you, you don't know what the long-term effects are you know, let's say 50 years down the road or even like 20 or 30, because it's only been for what, like the last 10, 15 years that we've all been carrying cell phones around with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hate, I hate to be like that. It's like, it sounds like such a Debbie Downer sort of thing to say, but it's just one thing that just is kind of like rolling around in the back of my mind. It's like, we, we tend to be very, you know, conscientious about various other carcinogens. And it's like, well, these, these things that, you know, essentially emit radio waves all the time. Mm. It's like, well, you know, this, what what could what kind of things could they be doing to your DNA that could mess up with the the programming there? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, what happens so. like a hundred years from now? You're gonna find out that there was like more 
genetic defects in the generations that kept cell phones next to their genitals all the time. I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> it's pretty morbid. Why do you always got to bring it there, man? Sorry, Please. I'm sorry. Just, just such a Debbie Downer. <laughs> that's why. That's why you have me here. I got to balance out your extreme optimism. <laughs> yeah. So the next email is from our friend Joshua, and he's talking about. He wants to talk about pens made from bullet casings. It sounds pretty cool, even though it's a rollerball, and how it helps kids at risk. I don't know what he's talking about, and I'm looking at this ad, ad for these cross pens. The cross X yeah. United rolled about what is what's the deal with this? So yeah, so this was a, this was a special on um, well this is a this was a pen that cross the AT cross made with a company Liber, uh, Liberty United and Liberty United uh, takes uh, illegal guns that were confiscated by uh, police and what they do is they melt them down they turn various bits of them into jewelry um, other uh, fine accessories and with in the case of this uh, cross x rollerball pen uh they use it for the very top uh disc portion is is a is is made from melted down steel from a, a gun that was taken out of circulation on the streets so uh, it's it's not made from well i think i think part of it is that they also took bullets um, that were also confiscated as well. So I'm saying bullet casings. Uh, the one pen I know that is actually made of a bullet casing is there's a Fisher Space pen. We mentioned them just uh, a few minutes ago, but there's a Fisher Space pen, as I think it's a 375, and it's actually made from the brass bullet casing of, of a of a what 375 uh, type bullet. Mm. Um, what they have a whole entire collection, Fisher does, that are called bullet pens. They're not made from bullets, but there's actually one that they did make from a, a spent bullet casing. Mm, that's cool. So just going back to this cross X Liberty. So what percentage of the pen is actually made from melted down gun parts? It's only the, it's only the top disc on the top of the, the pen. The rest of the pen is not made of a, of a, of a gun. What about, I'm looking at the clip. It says gun serial number, such and such. On the that's clip. like a gun serial number that of one of the guns that were taken out of okay so each, you know that were confiscated each pen has a separate gun serial number on it right oh and in I'm this just... in this particular edition right and then what's the best thing about it helping children at risk is that liberty united donates a significant amount of their profits toward programs that help at, at risk youth that are in various areas that are like you know have high rates of gun violence like programs that help them you know, uh, I guess, you know, do th be, able, be able to protect them, get them off the streets and things like that. So, so the for everybody listening that's not seeing what I'm seeing, this pen is one of these rollerballs. It's a pocket-sized pen. It's a thicker pen. But then when you grab both ends and you pull it apart, you kind of elongate it, and that's what causes the tip to come out. I'm not really into it, but I'm looking at the normal price. The MSRP is $95, but it's on sale for 47 dollars and 50 cents can they use coupon code roy for that yes and they can use the affiliate link that i'm going to apply in the description below yay anyway okay <laughs> wait but let me let me keep asking questions about this okay okay are you certain about how the guns were retrieved or is are you kind of just like going because i'm well that's according because... to yeah according to liberty united they work with uh police precincts that 
have confiscated weapons mm-hmm. and they they get the weapons from them and then they melt them down and use the 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 steel to make jewelry and various other parts like for you know for the the pen that they did with cross well a lot i'm just saying because a lot of illegal guns that are confiscated also have defaced serial numbers so what do they do in that case do they just skip that gun and use a different gun that has a serial number still is there is there is there a verifiable way of finding out how they got these guns because at the same time if you think about it there's a stigma attached to it and the stigma could be they got a gun that was used in a murder and they're melting it down, and now that piece of gun is attached to your pen. Ooh, that's true. Did you ever think of that? I had not. Right? Like, I'm just saying, you know, if you want to... Wow, so you're bringing it to that dark place right I'm now. I'm just bringing it to somewhere <laughs> somebody didn't, didn't think about. I'm just saying, like, if there's a piece of gun in your pen, and it was confiscated, and it was being used illegally... There's a chance that that gun was used in some sort of it's gun violence. Dubious means. Yeah, yeah, there might be a body attached to it. I'm just saying. I see, when I was thinking about it, I was thinking in terms of like, oh, that this is like a confiscated arsenal from like some, you know, it's like some like drug den or something like that, where where like they just had these weapons were just like laying around. They weren't like necessarily part of a murder investigation. But I mean, they were just yeah, kind but what, of... do you, what do you think? Guns? You think they just get supplies of new guns and they're not used? No, they get guns from wherever they can get them. They get used guns. Mm-hmm. They don't buy them new from manufacturers. They usually recover guns that are, and they fix them up, and then you know they'll recover guns that were used before. If they're recovering illegal guns, illegal guns are used illegally to do illegal things, and those illegal things include murder. You know what I mean? And listen, I'm not yeah, saying that is that is quite a that is quite a sobering thought in yeah, this case. Yes. I'm not saying that murdering. I'm not saying it's like oh they probably murdered bad people. I'm not saying that that makes anything different. But I'm just saying this: if they're recovering illegal guns, there's a chance that that illegal gun was used to kill somebody. Whether the person was good or bad, it was used to end a human life, and now it's in the mm-hmm. finial of your fucking pen. Yeah, you know, you might want to look into that. You know. Because maybe, listen, maybe Liberty just found a whole bunch of guns that were, I don't know. I can't think of a scenario where someone would recover an illegal where, gun. Where an illegal gun would just be sitting there just, you know, innocent of anything. Yeah. Like illegal yeah. illegal guns made its way into the black market. It did bad. It was used to do bad things. Yeah, you confiscated mm. them all. And so I remember there was like an AK-47 gun, right? I'm sorry, AK-47 mm-hmm. pen where they stripped down AK-47s and they made a pen out of the stripped down AK-47s and they put the serial number of that too. AK-47 is just like a, a widely used gun. It's just used to kill people all the time. What if that gun killed like 20 people and then it turned into your mm-hmm. pen? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be like, yeah, I want the one that killed the most people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... I mean, or but it's, but it's, but it, 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 I think it cuts counter to, I think the messaging behind it being that this is like an anti-violence sort of thing, but it's like, but it's like yet the item, you know, but yet that item that was used to break this down was used in a violent way. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. So, so I kind of feel like it has like, it's like almost a contradiction now that you're, you're really making me think about this. I mean, think about this too. Would you want to keep a pen? Right, mm-hmm. that was used to sign the death of somebody. Right, so like mm. my friend, he's from India. He said that they use fountain pens in India, and when they sign 
the the orders to have someone executed, what they'll do is they'll break the nib so that the pen can never be used to do such a horrible thing again, right? What about you? If a Visconti Homo sapien or, I don't know, a really, like, the Batman pen was used to sign the death of somebody, forgetting about the circumstances behind them. It might have been a criminal. It might have been this, that, whatever. Who cares? That pen Mm. is what signed the document that causes the death of somebody. Would you be able to keep that pen? Well, let's say... Let's let's put into more, uh, I guess, realistic terms. Is let's say the the Mont Blanc that I bought used, right? The one forty six. Yeah. If if the seller had messaged me like a couple weeks later and said, "Oh, by the way, you know," and and shows let's say photographic proof or like a document type of authenticity proof and said, "Oh, by the way, this was used to sign the death warrant of so and so, whatever." Yeah. Would you be able yeah. to keep that pen? I don't think so. Okay. What That's, about that, that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Right. But what if <laughs> what if there is a possibility and not a certainty that it was used to sign the death of somebody? Mm-hmm. Then would you be able to keep it? Oh, so it, it calls that into question. It makes you know it, I would probably have to find more information about it. And, okay. You know. This is my point with the cross pen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The cross Liberty X pen. I would want to know yeah. more about it. You know what I'm saying? Well, that that would be something I think that because um, Liberty United is a is a pretty like I think they're a pretty big like outfit in terms of it's not just like a mom and pop type of shop. I it's mean, like no, a legit I mean, I don't. Company, I so. don't think that. I, they I'm, are. I'm, just, I'm thinking that they would be able to answer for that. You know? Do you think they can answer for every single gun that was confiscated? That, that's impossible. You know what I mean? Like, listen, you go to a stash house, you raid a stash house, you see. A room and there's a dozen guns. You can't account for the history of every single gun, right? Mm-hmm. Even if that gun started off as being legally purchased, that the serial number was logged and is attached to someone who legally purchased it. When that person moved, it might have fell out the truck. You can't account for that mm-hmm. gun the moment it falls off the truck and what it's done and yeah. where it's been, right? So even Liberty mm-hmm. X, I don't think they can account for it. So is there a body attached to the gun to the to it, who knows? Is there a body attached to your pen? Who knows? You know what I mean? Hmm. And just like that Mont Blanc, are you able to own that pen without having it give you the heebie-jeebies, knowing there's a possibility that it signed the death of somebody? You can't answer mm-hmm. that. So that's why I'm saying, when it comes to the cross pen, is it any different? Mm-hmm. I'm being so philosophical today. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the... Have you ever seen the... Um... The uh, Upright Citizens Brigade skit, Ass Pennies. No. Did we ever talk about that before? No, and I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? So there's a skit. Um, it's a Canadian uh, uh, like kind of improv TV type of show that uh, they they did this one skit called, uh, it's, it's called Ass Pennies, if you want to look it up. And it was basically, and I'm kind of going based on memory here, so it may not be 100% accurate, but I believe the gist of it was that there was this guy who kind of had this air about him where he just felt like he was superior to everybody else. And, he's, and somebody else was like asking him, was like, what's your, you know, what's your really your secret to like your, the way that you have this confidence? And he mm. explains the idea of the concept of ass pennies and that, and that he puts pennies in his ass wow. and then puts them, puts them into circulation after putting them in his, into his ass. And then the fact that he knows for a fact that's that there's there's so many pennies that are currently in circulation that have been in his ass and that other people have handled it that like he has 
a certain air superiority thing that like <laughs> you know most likely the person that he's talking to has handled one of his ass pennies before and it's just kind of like that that i'm thinking of that concept based on like the whole idea of like well you know something reclaimed and then given to somebody else and it's like and it's like that that transfer of ownership it's like it kind of it you don't know what happened to it previously but all of a sudden you have it now and it's like it's like well you don't you never know where it could have you know where certain parts of it or whatever had come from that like that like you may end up having something that was in somebody's ass at some point (laughs) i am never going to look at a penny the same fucking way thank you for that tom you know what pen looks really cool though i have to talk about the conklin all-american demo pen in blue Okay. That looks really cool. Is that the ones that they say that are eyedropper convertible, but they still have the brass uh, yeah. section threads? I think they're just like, let's throw ink in it and leave it there for a year and see what happens, right? <laughs> and then nothing happens. So they're like, hey, let's just eyedropper it. Let's see what happens. I don't know about that. I'm not comfortable eyedropping it still. How about- yeah, I, I would not be either. I would not be. Because that, that seems to me like it might be trouble. Yeah, and then put Noodler's ink in there. It'll take 20 seconds before it turns into a dynamite, right? Mm. Well, you could put um, you could put uh, Base State Blue, and then maybe it just becomes even more bluer of a pen. Yeah. I mean, though, I got to say, this Conklin All-American Demo Blue Fountain Pen looks really cool. And I love what they I love what they've done. I know I give them a lot of flack, but they're using Yovo Nibs. Their Omniflex is a Yovo nib. I really wish they moved away from the cheapy plastic feed, but I really do appreciate what Conklin has been doing. I haven't haven't had any problems with the Monteverde or Conklins that I've had in my possession in recent times and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I, I don't know. I really like what they're doing. They're offering a cartridge converter Yovo steel nib pen for a hundred bucks, right? I yeah, think. I think this is right around with the with a standard you know, type of discount. I think it's right around a hundred bucks for that. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, and it comes in, I think orange and there's another color too, right? There's like a orange. And then I know there's a third color of that collection. I just mm. forget what it is. I'm blanking on it right now. Mm. But even the, did you get one of the, you got one of the deco crest ones too, right? No, I didn't you get one of those. No, no, those, those are pretty sharp too. It's, the over the metal overlay and things like that. Yeah. The, do you guys have that at gold spot? It might be. Yeah, I mean, I'm just you know, Maybe. I have, I have, I have pens that I'm in. Like I, I want to review the narwhals that I have. I want to review the Edisons that I have and stuff like that. And I've done so mm-hmm. many Conklins in the past that not that I have any. I love Conklin. I love. I don't know. I've always had an affection for Conklin. I think maybe because Roy Conklin's name. Is <laughs> Roy? Yeah. You know. I don't know. I. I like the I definitely love the Endura abalones cuz they're so opulent looking. I love the All-Americans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've done so many of the Conklins, I've done so many of the Monteverdes. I feel like doing it would just be kind of what's the word? Like just redundant. Redundant. Yeah, but the Deco Crests do look really cool. They look a little bit like so basically it's Laban has something that looks similar. They basically have like a I don't know how to explain it. For anybody who doesn't know, you have to Google it. But it's like an acrylic inside, and on the outside is like a fishnet stocking of metal, if that's the best way mm-hmm. I can say it. And it looks cool. 
Yeah, it's like a decorative metal pattern that reveals yeah. the acrylic below the the metal overlay. Yeah, which is it's pretty sharp. It it is very like, let's say nineteen twenty sort of style, mm. very uh, very artsy looking and very elegant. Yeah, you know, at the same time. Yeah, it does definitely yeah. look cool. I don't know. I feel like if I get a Conklin pen, I have to get it with the OmniFlex Yovo nib. Mm-hmm. Because the OmniFlex Yovo nib gives you a little line variation. It also writes like a normal nib when you want it to. Mm-hmm. So it has more versatility than just a regular Yovo nib. So why not go with the one that is just more versatile? Right? Yeah, it gives the one you that more... can give you a little bit of some line variation there. Yeah. And also what I like about the the Yovo flex nibs omni flex nibs is they also come in rose gold so if you get a pen that has rose gold trim you can actually match it Ooh, i'm looking right now at the conklin enduro deco crest the orange one with the black <gasps> i like mm-hmm. that one. Oh, that one is nice if i'm gonna get one it's gonna have to be that one mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. the one that i want <laughs> the gunmetal trim the yeah the with the dark or, orange yeah doesn't that look really cool it is yeah it's yeah. pretty neat looking and the ballpoint pen looks really cool so our, <laughs> and that's all i have to say about the ballpoint pen yeah well i mean just going back to stan's email if you want a nice ballpoint look at the conklin endura the pen we're talking about i already forgot the all-american no the what the no, fuck? The Deco Crest. The Deco Crest ballpoint. Yeah. So they use standard refills, so it's going to be easy. But the orange looks really cool. And then with the black trim on the outside, that looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to send me the black one with the black Omniflex nibs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these are. These you got are some other pens to review first. Yes. You review yeah. those pens. Yeah. I mean, I definitely owe a review. I promised a review on the. This one here. This is the Narwhal. And I also have to do the Edison new work in the Tim McKenzie, which I think looks fantastic. I also need to do some of the Benu, even though it might get the lynch mob after me, but whatever. I just haven't gotten to them, but I, I definitely need to make some time so I can get to them. But I'm in a backlog. Yeah, I got I to gotta start getting cracking, get crack-a-lacking. But yeah, let's let's cut this let's cut this episode so that uh, you could go and get crack a lack into yeah. it. I know you got your studies too, so you got that going. Yeah. On as well. So listen, we're gonna touch on more of the emails in the upcoming episodes. We definitely do appreciate you reaching out to us at pentertainmentspodcast at gmail And please don't forget about the affiliate link. I'm gonna link all. So I'm gonna put the links in the descriptions below. It helps me out, makes me look good with my buddies over buddies sponsoring the channel. So there's that, and thanks again for listening. Love you guys. Be well. Be safe. Stay engaged.